2: Spurs in full cry here. Look at-
0: Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch, my name is Windy and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend Bardy, hello Bardy.
1: Good evening Christopher.
0: And our tactics guy and the Secretary of State for Scouting, Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan.
1: <laughs> hello Windy. I don't know why I
0: said that, I've had a glass of wine, that's, that's why I said it. <laughs>
2: We're in for a classic episode.
0: We are. How are you doing, Nathan?
2: Yeah, you know, coping, surviving. I just told you I was sparring in my garden when you rang to say, where are you? We're meant to be recording, so
0: it's a little (laughs)
2: window of insight into my life.
0: Why were you sparring with a child?
2: no, no he, legally he's an adult, so it's fine okay um, okay uh, and because I can't spar with my regular sparring <laughs> partners because everyone's got to remain indoors, so i'm <laughs> um I'm sparring my brother instead
0: Barty,
1: how are you doing? Not too bad adjusting i'm all, I'm all right well adjusted i've I think I'm fully adjusted to this new world and um I'm reasonably happy with it. Uh, but you were raging before we hit record, weren't you? Why is that? <laughs> um, I, I spent a lot of money today shopping because I, I eat a lot, and um, <laughs> and normally you burn a lot of calories as well. To be fair, that's true. That's true. But um, ha- having me at home, I don't know how my parents did it when I was young, but having me at <laughs> home for three meals every day, well, four meals because I always I like a double breakfast, four meals <laughs> a day. I'm, I'm rifling through the food, so our food shops are getting bigger and bigger. And today like everybody we've kind of developed a bit of a passion for baking and today the only place we could find vanilla essence was in um planet organic and we were we were so excited we were like celebrating like it was lucas mora (laughs) in amsterdam that we got some chucked it in the shopping basket but it was everything was okay bill came up and it was just like jeez it turned out we'd bought a 20 pound bottle of vanilla yeah. essence which is insane so, so no. uh, yeah that's going straight back Not, not <laughs> we're not opening that that's going straight back it's so ex- £20, it's 20 pounds man that's more than wine or a lot of stuff 20 pounds yeah I can't be doing that in this in this um, 20% less salary world can't be doing that so I'm, I'm just back from
0: picking up my click and collect and I did well on the substitutions this time it's, it's a bit of a risky game the substitution thing so you can you can either tick that you want items to be substituted hmm. or untick to say no I only want the specific thing that I've asked for. And um, this time round, uh, my five hundred gram pack of pasta wasn't available, so I got a kilogram.
1: Oh, so they and... did their substitutions weren't Pochettino. They were more Jose Marino. They were, they <laughs> yeah, were, yeah, yeah, a yeah, no, you,
2: you, no, it's bit more it's a like bit of a little sometimes of you sometimes you of a little bit of you little bit of you little bit of a little bit of a little bit
0: of I little bit of a little and of a yeah, the, the the garlic a I ordered was a there in the quantity, so I got like a pack of three garlic same with the lime upgrade on the lime so i'm, I'm very happy i've done well, well done. um I have to say, the supermarkets have really stepped up, haven't they, during this time. It's um, it's remarkably well organised, the click and collect thing. I'm, I'm very impressed. You it's turn incredible. Up, it's it's so, it's insanely safe. Like, I was panicking a little bit the first time I went to do my click and collect. But the, the guy wheels the crates over to your car mm. and then he says, I'm going to step back now, so you can get out of the car. its He's wearing a mask, he's wearing gloves. It's all incredibly safely done. I'm really, really impressed with how it's been handled.
1: Mine wasn't quite like that. It was a bit more North London. It was a bit more in your face. Mm -hmm. they they didn't quite give me the space I didn't notice but my wife was like you didn't give her space really did you and I was like I did she goes no you didn't she was all up in your boat not that she uses the word boat but she was She was quite close to you and you were quite close to her. I, I, I didn't even notice. So everyone else is doing fine, but you're not, <laughs> yeah, basically. Apparently. I apparently. Um, one last thing before we probably get cracking on is a friend of a friend of a friend sent a photo of, of my dad in Labbrook Grove fixing somebody's oven. So somebody had messaged somebody to say, my oven's broken. Nobody's going to come out and fix my oven. What can I do? And they're like, I know this guy who can fix stuff. And it turns out that guy was my dad. And my dad, who's 74, just went across to West London fixed this randoms oven and came home and hasn't said a word about it to anybody, so I know but he doesn't know that I know so I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna see him when he walks his dog tomorrow and just slightly drop Stick it him up yeah just mention ovens and a broken oven see if he see if he confesses otherwise um I'm gonna have a word with him can't be <laughs> doing that. Lovely stuff.
0: Right, before we get started, we've got some feedback from the last episode. So uh, firstly, Anthony Kennedy says, how does Bardi only give Gazaniga 1.5 for his looks? I know Bardi has looks we can all envy, (laughs) but for the rest of us mere mortals, Gazaniga is the aspiration. What do you make of that, Bardi?
1: Yeah, it's true. But then if I give him a seven for looking pretty, I'm I'm marking him the same as Davinson Sanchez. So unfortunately, I had to take his his inability to be a goalkeeper (laughs) and mark him down on his good looks, unfortunately. You've got to keep your integrity. Exactly.
0: Uh, Mark W Dawson says on Ericsson's rating if you want a really good analysis check out episode one season one of The Extra Inch I listened to it again recently and some telling analysis so this is an episode that we recorded back in November 16 when we thought that this podcast was just going to be a special version of The Fighting Cock each time Um, and it, it was quite interesting listening back we all sound we all sound nervous actually I was um, so
2: nervous dude I was absolutely freaking, I did so much preparation and then never said Half the things I planned to say. (laughs) Now I just sort of, you know, I get a phone call (laughs) that I'm
0: late, (laughs) (laughs) and you just roll up. Mm. But in this episode, uh, Bardi was absolutely scathing about Ericsson. Right, we go.
1: (laughs) See, I I don't change my spots, mate. If I have a, if I have a narrative, I stick to it. For eventually, I'll be proved right. Uh, interestingly uh, Nathan well, I
0: was kind of balanced I was somewhere in the middle and, and Nathan was defending Ericsson well, that uh, also hasn't changed <laughs> yeah 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 and it reminded me of Nathan's recent analysis video of um, Ericsson talking about the fact that he often does simple things but does them so efficiently
1: uh, that they're underrated I
0: would say, yeah go back and listen to episode one season one of The Extra Inch what I, what I have discovered
1: in, in over the years of um, of doing The Extra Inch is there's, there's two hills normally Nathan <laughs> dies upon one and I die upon the other and they're both at like opposite ends of the of the landscape. We're, we're, lo- we're both dying, bleeding out and we're looking at each other at the two hills and Windy's in the little valley below. Drinking, in the valley. Yeah, drinking the water, chilling out in the <laughs> meadows and Nathan and I are a bit dying. Drinking mineral water,
0: having a picnic. Exactly. Lovely. So speaking of hills to die on, uh, <laughs> Glebursik Memursik, I want to say that's the it's guest, he said, did you literally unironically <laughs> state that Sessignon had a better season? Than Oreo. Yeah, I'll stand by that. Yeah, and yeah. I will too. Um, Bardi <laughs> didn't say that, did you, Bardi? You you, you were kind of in support of Oreo. I think
1: the problem the problem with um, rating players is, as we all realised, as we started moving into it, that you've rated um, Alderweireld a six, and then you give someone like Davinson a seven, right? And you're like, you're what you, what you, I think what you gotta do is you gotta rate every individual player individually. And for Sessignon to get higher than Aurier, he, 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 the factors that affect Sessignon and his performances and the reasons why he didn't quite perform are very different to what affects Aurier so Cessignon didn't perform because he was injured he was lacking confidence and he's a young man at a new club Aurier didn't perform because he's an idiot he's a <laughs> yes.
2: you know he's, a, he's a, this was his, his this was his big best super special season Exactly, he staked his claim on right back and completely failed to do so and we need to get him out of the club whereas Cessignon is still a perspective 100% it, exactly
1: and so that's the problem when our you compare Yeah, exactly exactly.
0: Like Aurier was given a platform to perform um, his defensive duties were at times stripped away from him yeah uh meaning that he could just focus on attacking and, and to be fair he put in some really good crosses in in it's the true. three quarters of the season we've had there's no doubt about that but for me that doesn't that doesn't mean you kind of whitewash all the defensive glaring defensive errors and it's not just even the glaring defensive errors frankly it's the fact that him being a part of defense puts pressure on the rest of defenders and the rest of the whole team because no one can rely on his positioning and defensive awareness so uh you you essentially have to compensate for him the entire entire time which is really difficult but yeah some people will look at the assists and, and say he's been good Every, different strokes for different folks right? well it,
1: it does it does bring up the thing that if um, if you're say you're a supporter of a, a similar sized club in a different country and someone says oh you've been linked with Aurier then you would look at the stats that Aurier provides and you'd think bloody hell here's a fullback who's got nine assists perhaps he's mm. pretty good so there is this this is always the worry sometimes when we look at a, a, a player in France well I look at a player in France who I don't have much knowledge of and you say bloody hell's a fullback he's got nine assists so sometimes but sometimes it can warp it but we've been watching Aurier and as much as i've appreciated what his, his his input he is not a very good right back and not really what we need nathan is that what's happening
0: with um thomas meunier <laughs> uh
2: quite possibly yeah yeah I, well there's huge huge parallels you know uh, buying a continuous train of right backs from psg um <laughs> yeah uh, no, i i've seen i've seen a lot of negative stuff about meunier much of which i don't agree with but um i mean he's not dissimilar to aurea in the fact that he's very good in attack and pretty questionable in defense um uh, he's also the wrong side of 25 for me as a fullback mm. um like i i i wouldn't make that transfer i don't completely hate it um mm. One of the other things is, and this is something I was—I had a heated debate with my mate Thiago with the other day, is that uh, Mourinho has a tendency for buying tall players in every position. And Mounier is very tall for a fullback. But like statistically, he's still very weak in the air and he still loses men behind him. So I have a worry that, that we're choosing a fullback for his height in the assumption that that will equal being good in the air that isn't true at all. Um, so Mounier isn't a player that I would go for
0: interest he's, he's not someone i've seen um a great deal of only for in international football which is a different beast primarily so yeah it's useful to get your insight there
2: i mean um, what you see for him for belgium i think is, is pretty much what you get he plays a lot of wing back for belgium yeah. there's space behind him you know it, again it, the 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 Aurea comparison is pretty clear except that he doesn't have the sort of recklessly diving into tackles thing so <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Uh, right. So Anthony Kennedy says, given that Tongi seems to be in the news all the time, any chance you might do a pod analysing his first three quarter season with us? So this is on. This is based upon the fact that Orie uh, put an Instagram story out, I think, with uh, a message saying, "What was it? It was it was in French, and it basically said
2: nothing to report."
0: That's right. Nothing. To it wasn't
2: report. a story, mate. It was a post. Get the times.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm always embarrassing myself. I, I don't. I don't use Instagram. Um but it was a video right of, of yes some of his highlights a highlight season. compilation
2: and what a video it was i mean oh. it makes him look absolutely like we know the trouble he's had this season obviously but that that video if you capture the highlights of a player as as talented as him even in a really rough season he looks just <laughs> absurdly good just it really, it really does
0: so there's there's three elements i would say that stood out in that video Ooh. firstly uh he's jinking away from players in midfield mm-hmm. which is that's his trademark isn't it you know yeah. he's his quick feet to step away, evade the press, and then he's going forward with the ball. Secondly, his slide rule passes, just inch-perfect passes onto the foot of the player he's trying to l- l- play it into or perfectly into their stride. Just yeah. majestic. And the third thing, and that's something I think has been slightly underrated in andomble uh, so far, is there's this magnificent track-back and challenge in the right-back zone. There's a couple of them. Which is, yeah, so good to see. That's what we really have lacked from uh, midfielders.
2: But from him as well. Like, that that, that and, is and very much is a, a positive reading on his defensive contribution sure, this sure, season.
0: Sure. No, that's that's But that's, he has that's, the, that's the capacity.
2: That's the important thing, isn't it? He has the ability.
0: That's exactly it. There's so much potential there. Um and, and I was um uh, so in the episode where we discussed that horrendous match and the, the calling out of Ndombele by Mourinho uh, Burnley match y- uh, Was it Burnley? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> or it well, may it have it? been a couple of them. It
2: could <laughs>
1: have been Wolves. I think it was Wolves. Where, oh, um, yeah, no, you're
2: right. Two different <laughs> call-outs, two different three out of ten performances. <laughs>
0: But it, it was a horrendous performance and it, it became a bit of a meme, basically, didn't it? Yeah. But, um, I said in the podcast after that that I think he's done, that I think Mourinho will give up on him, that we won't see him again. And I think, given the fact that Mourinho got mis- got himself into a spot of bother taking Dombalay out doing kind of one-on-one training, I'd like to think that I was wrong and that he really is working hard to get a tune out of him. I really hope that's the case because he's so insanely talented. And if if Mourinho takes him on as a project, and says I'm going to just put my heart and soul into making this guy the best midfield in the Premier League then that would make me so happy I I think he's a majestic footballer and there's so much to come from him, any thoughts?
2: I mean it's hard to say I guess I could like be pessimistic and say well I think Mourinho probably felt similarly about Pogba who's not an entirely dissimilar player and and tried his best with Pogba and his approach just rubs the wrong way and put distance between them and alienated Pogba from the fans and didn't develop him in the ways that he wanted to develop him, Um, but it's still hard to look you know if you look at Mourinho historically and his coaching of players um, there's there's reason for the opposite to look at the opposite approach as well definitely
0: yeah players seem to either love or hate Mourinho don't they basically um, I, I've noticed a lot of players coming out saying how what a great man manager he. Uh, people saying that how he gives advice and tips on the training field and he takes players aside and give and talks to them about their game which is great but we know because we've seen literal videos of him having flare-ups with players from a training ground. we know he's a divisive character yeah
2: you You'll yeah. find just as many players saying the exact opposite, and and that's not dissimilar from Pochettino either. It's it's yeah. that what you need to be a, as a modern coach almost definitely is that level of intensity that is going to force an either an extremely positive or an extremely negative reaction from everyone that you're coaching.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. We're going to talk about our, our midfield again in a second, but uh, question first from Greg Jenner who said, extend Jan's contract, yes or no? So Bardi, what do you think? Do we do we tie Batonkin down to another contract?
1: I don't know pre. Pre-pandemic, I was like, let's cut him loose, but now... Now, 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 I'm, I'm unsure. Maybe I don't know what the football landscape is going to be like. I'm not sure, sure how things are going to be. And sometimes, perhaps tying him down for another year might be might be a smart move. If um, yeah, I don't know, I no, actually, it's it's a really it's a really difficult one to decide because Tongan We know what he's got. We know where his limitations are. But he signing him to a new contract means we don't have to go out and sign a fourth centre back. He could quite he could fit in there. Alderweireld, Sanchez, another and then Vertonghen as backup to those four if he's happy to be a a backup player. So... (sighs) in a normal in a normal world i'd say no but perhaps now now is the time to maybe get him on a an, an extension and um, what do you think nathan
2: no cut him loose um you know he's been a, a magnificent servant the club and all that kind of stuff um i would rather see him go out as fondly as he would do now um because he's clearly on a rapid deterioration and we need to turnover a centre back i'd rather make a talented young centre back our fourth choice who's getting minutes that way like for example one fight although he's probably going to go mm. um and, and and send those minutes in that direction 'cause we 'cause in a couple of years or maybe even sooner, Alderweireld's going to be going the same way. So we need to start like preparing for that now.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Foyf was part of the plan, then I would say then Vertonghen sure. should go. But because of the fact that Foyf is probably leaving, that then leaves us the, the, the necessity to sign two centre-backs and I'm not, I'm not sure we're able to do that. That's the only reason why I would sign him. But I completely agree. He shouldn't be signed. He should be given um, goodbye, not a testimony, but a little fond farewell and I hope he goes to finish his career somewhere, somewhere nice.
2: He's Sweet, if he could go back to Ajax, see him out there mm. a couple of years. Yeah, that I,
1: seems
0: perfect, doesn't
1: it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he, would would he suit the way Ajax play. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he would work there. But it, it would be nice. It would be a nice romantic ending to his career.
0: I, I think I'm I'm definitely in favour of cutting him loose at that point. Uh, at this point in time, and I also like the idea of Tanganga being our fourth centre back. Hmm. Um, partly because he's young and he might become a really good centre back, and partly because he's versatile. And I think it's always handy that you're your fourth choice can cover multiple positions and he's shown that he can play right back he can play left back he can even play right wing back in desperate circumstances and i think that's quite a handy thing to have in the squad mm-hmm. many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care theme of defenders. Uh, Mark W Dawson says, working with the assumptions that the season is over, Jan is gone and transfer money is tight, but sufficient for two new arrivals. Let's talk about how we fix our defence. Working from central defensive midfielder back to goalkeeper, who stays, who goes, who assumes what positions and what do we assume becomes a fourth? Equally, Chris Parker said, with the transfer budget seemingly tight and a lot of positions that need improvement, how do you feel about Skip as a defensive midfielder for next season? So, uh, Mark said to go from defensive midfield back to goalkeeper, but that feels back to front to me. Let's go from goalkeeper. So starting with uh, Lloris, uh, are we all in favour of keeping Lloris for one more season? Yes, that's it. Yeah, and and then there has to come a point where we we, I mean, we basically we need to sign a goalkeeper either this this summer or next, right?
2: So I think that you put the feelers out and you make inquiries and you look around for what keepers are available this summer. And if there's not like a huge deal to definitely latch on right this second, then you keep looking for another year. But if there's like a you know, if is available for five million right now and and he won't be around next summer, then you have to take advantage of it now. But I think that with the amount of turnover that we need in this area of the pit, um, yeah, it's a lesser priority. But yeah. then but you also have to take in mind the market.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. So then our backup goalkeeper at the moment is Gazaniga. Fine,
2: like, whatever. Like, if we can make Clarice second choice, that's great. (laughs) But, you know... um, I'm not sure
0: how... I I kind of feel like... Yeah, if if we sign another goalkeeper, then we need to set Gazaniga free. Uh, But, yeah, you're you're right. He's fine as a backup. He's fine as a backup. Ideally, you want your third-choice goalkeeper to be English because of the homegrown rule. And it seems crazy to have three overseas goalkeepers, uh, unnecessarily. But...
2: You see Whiteman or Austin becoming like Premier League goalkeepers down the line?
0: Uh, It's really difficult to know they've not had a minute of football so I just don't think they can be judged and I I think this is a problem, we've spoken about it before about the the loan system and I think Whiteman and Austin are, so Austin's at Viborg at the moment, he went in January and apparently he's doing very very well which is great Um, but you know these these young goalkeepers need a couple of seasons out on loan I think before you can decide whether they're going to be up to it or not I'm shocked that Whiteman's not had a loan before now, it seems crazy to me I actually prefer Austin of the two but I know that many people prefer Whiteman and I'm not the best at judging goalkeepers so i kind of, me me kind of on the fence uh, Vorm is the other goalkeeper I mean, what a waste of money in hindsight <laughs> I Hall. thought
2: it, I thought it was a really good call at the time I thought, like know, out injured I thought it made a lot of sense um, I was wrong <laughs> Well, probably I was wrong, but yeah
0: He's obviously well liked at the club, isn't he? So there's. there's I do wonder there. if
2: there's like a, a coaching perspective for him at all at the club if he's going to move into the goalkeeping staff at Spurs or whatever but
0: I don't know maybe maybe also another incredibly beautiful man very uh, good bone structure for Shelvaughan uh, so then we move on to the fullbacks so we've got Aurier we've got Walker Peters who's on loan but still with us uh, Ben Davies Ryan Cessignon, and Danny Rose who's also on loan but still with us um, I don't even know I mean there's a lot of work to do there isn't there yeah. essentially of those you only really want Davies one or and two Sessegnon. Yeah. yeah but so. that feels like a huge rebuild for the summer Bardi what do you think is it possible to, to sell three or four fullbacks
1: I, I, I want to touch on the transfer budget t- tight thing because i've been pondering this and i think i think it it doesn't matter that it's going to be tight because it's going to be the same for everybody else so what i think is going to happen is that the playing field amongst the top six is going to remain pretty much the same but i think the money available is going to drop maybe 30 40 million per kind of top player but what i think we'll probably see over the next six to eight months maybe next year or so is um the medium to lower league the medium to lower level premier league clubs unable to hold on to their top players. So probably i'm jumping the gun but if we look at someone like bournemouth i think the the pandemic's probably going to hurt them more than it will hurt tottenham and then all of a sudden that the market's going to open up so i, I don't think it's going to be tight in the terms of we've got no money because i think i don't think anybody's going to have money so i think it's going to be level so it's going to everybody will be, will be the same and i think what we'll find out is players like nathan ake josh king whereas before bournemouth and teams like perhaps even leicester could deflect away transfer bids um, unless someone was willing to pay eighty million for Harry, Gwy- Harry Maguire, Harry put in thirty-five million for Josh King or forty million for for, okay, I think all of a sudden the lower league teams, lower level Premier League teams, are going to be open pickings for Spurs. So um, I think I think we need to start thinking smartly about who we're going to buy from 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 the Bournemouths and those kind of teams knocking around us. Sorry to go a little bit off topic. No, no, I think I think that's a really
0: interesting point. It's it's something i would not thought about that you know perhaps the bigger clubs might pick off the smaller clubs and take advantage of this financial situation and and you probably are right we've we've got a lot more... um resilience built mm. into our into our structure, thanks to Daniel Levy. Um, we are making money now. We, we've got this big stadium, we've got the match day revenue, and we can probably uh, stretch a little bit further on, on the wage bill. Uh, yeah. We've probably got a bit more money to spend, uh, well, until the pandemic happens, and it, and, and it might be a case of backing down the hatches to some degree, but you're, you're probably right that there will be some smaller clubs in the Premier League in the Championship in League One that need to cash in and will have to take a price. Yeah, I, I think after. so.
1: That, that, people are A player like i mean villa i think Grealish all of a sudden was untouchable before pandemic unless you had 50 million pounds i think all of a sudden he's now half price um i've already mentioned the two bournemouth guys i'm now struggling off the top of my head to think of anybody else but i think all of a sudden i think we as tottenham we need to start thinking of these players now as possibilities as as possible transfers so um and I think that will also work in our benefit that there'll be a, a, a higher churn of players. So I think we'll be able to move on Walker and Rose full-time as well. So it, it will work both ways for us. And But I also think players now will suddenly um, have the power and free transfers and players being very... Clever on the, the way they handled their contracts. I think Arsenal are going to have a terrible time when it comes to Aubameyang. I don't. I don't think he's going to sign a contract. He's not going to sign a new contract with Arsenal, and um, he'll just. He would, it will see a lot of players just kind of seeing out their contracts and taking massive, um, uh, massive, trans, massive signing on bonuses as they move away.
0: Mm. Yeah, really. I, that's really interesting. Um, I, you, you, you're right as well. That I mean, in fact, Rose probably shouldn't be an issue if Newcastle want him. If and they have this takeover, then like. Mm guess it'll be fairly easy to shift him um and if... perhaps perhaps walker beaters could go in some kind of swap deal maybe to another club i don't know Yep, nathan what do you think
2: i think that if newcastle are taken over they're not going to want to buy rose <laughs>
0: <laughs> apparently he's been quite popular there though okay yeah. okay i guess it depends on if pochettino, <laughs> if pochettino takes over then uh i yeah. doubt he would want rose after a <laughs> Um, So, Nathan, what do you think of the full-back rebuild? Is it feasible?
2: Uh, Yeah. So, uh, get rid of Rose, Aurier, and probably loan again Walker-Peters. Give him a full-season loan somewhere, possibly in the Premier League if you can. You keep Davies and Cessna Young as your two left-backs, and you sort of hope and pray that that's sufficient. And then you bring in a first-choice right-back, and you also bring in a more speculative second-choice right-back. So I'm thinking right-backs from the Championship uh, and then a right-back from like Eredivisie or Belgian League and then... Or, we're about to move on to centre-backs. One thing that is occurring to me is you could buy someone like Nordi Mukulele from Leipzig Mm. who can be... be, You know, you bring in a centre-back, a right-back and a both and you play them where... You play Mukulele where he's needed.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing that you've got Tanganga who can do the same thing as well. Yeah,
2: that's true. Nice flexibility. I I do like Tanganga as the defensive left back um, here and there so that gives you a third option at left back so between Davies Tanganga and Sesson Young you should be alright right at left back
0: mm-hmm. so centre back we've we've already spoken about Vertonghen and we're going to assume here for the sake of argument that he'll be leaving Yeah. Uh, so Alderweireld obviously want to stick with um, because he's our best defender uh, Sanchez Foyth Tanganga
2: Sanchez still only 23 I think it's easy to think of Sanchez as someone who's like started to be around a little while now because he was playing you know Eric divisi football at twenty and Premier League football at twenty one, but like twenty three is still young for a centre back. And if you think yeah. about some of his better performances that he's already put in at the age that he's at, um, I, I essentially all I'm doing now is I'm reminding myself to definitely still think of Sanchez as a prospective centre back.
0: Mm. Sanchez in some ways reminds me of Eric Bailly in that at his best he's very good and he stands out and he's a player that you kind of think, yeah, he's got a big future. But then when you watch him over a period of games, you, the, the doubt's creeping again. Um, and I, I don't know if that's right or wrong I, I think he's had a basically when when he was in a consistent back line for us he looked really good and every time he's not been in a consistent back line he's not looked so good and that is completely fair enough like that is totally understandable um Foyth, I think we all think that Foyth is really good, but he's probably gonna go. Yeah. Uh and then we've got Cameron Carter Vickers who surely has to move on this yep. summer. It would be madness if he stayed at the club <laughs> <here> this summer. <laughs> I, I can on for ages, dude. Yeah, he's
1: still here. He's like, wow. Uh, uh, he's got some he staying can,
0: power. He has, and he can command a fee, I'm sure. He brings in a...
2: a thousand American fans every year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And then the, the sort of the next youngest, uh, the, the, the next oldest um, centre back is TJ Yoma, who's on loan at Lincoln at the moment. I don't think he's had a minute for Lincoln, but um, he definitely needs another loan next season. So I'd say that we almost certainly need to sign a centre back. Is that is that a fair point?
2: Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I think uh, I think. <sighs> You have to bank on Alderweireld being good for at least another season. And I definitely think he has been good in this last season. You have to bank on Sanchez as a future player who can definitely share a lot of minutes now. So I think you bring in one centre-back who can compete, compete with Sanchez for minutes and even take some minutes off to slowing down, um, and then you maybe think about one more. I guess that depends on your faith in Tanganga. I would go for one more.
0: Mm. And Bardi, would that change
1: for you if Eric Dyer was to be modelled back into the centre back role? <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to see him back at centre back. So so we're saying Alderweil, Sanchez, Tanganga, Dier as our as our four. Would Would you be happy with that? Or would you still want to sign one more? Um, I I could I could live I could live with that for for a season as long as we obviously strengthen defensive midfield and center midfield that's fair
0: yeah so coming on to center midfield i mean basically our only defensive midfielder at the moment is eric dyer who's
1: <laughs> <laughs> terrible but i am uh, prepared
2: don't... to listen to offers for eric dyer yes
0: mm. Mm. absolutely i mean the other the other pivot options are winks and Domboli, sissoko loselso oliver skip and luke amos no um
2: I like Skip getting some minutes there. I understand Winks filling in there, but basically we desperately, desperately are crying out for a starting number six.
0: We really are. And one of the reasons I mentioned a possible swap deal with Walker Peters was because as Bardi was talking about sort of picking the bones out of of smaller clubs who need to cash in, the name that came straight to my head was... Neuberg, I thought you
2: were going to who say I, that. I, I really like.
1: <laughs> um, I've liked him for some time. So long. You've, you've, you've loved him nearly as long as I've loved Natalie Portman. It's been, it's been <laughs> years and years and years. He's he's quite a basic player, isn't he?
0: But he's um he's he's a player that t- he never stands out, but he's always there. I he think he's him. he's
2: starting to stand out under Hasan. He's he's start finally starting to sort of fulfil on the promise that was there for him, and 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 it's ageing well. Your love affair with
0: him, I like him. He's got leadership qualities as well, which I think we, we kind of lack in the team. I think another sort of um, vocal midfielder would absolutely not go amiss. He's strong. Uh, his positioning is good. He can pass. I'm I'm not against that idea it wasn't what I was thinking like in terms of (laughs) you you you, you kind of get all excited with all the names that come up of dynamic defensive midfielders and there's so many of them in Europe at the moment who people are saying you know sign him sign him sign him and you you kind of change your focus week to week because you see another YouTube compilation of another midfielder but Huybert Huybert like he's been in the Premier League for what two seasons now he knows he knows the league he wouldn't be that expensive why not why not but do you do you have others in mind, Nathan? Do you do you have favourites?
2: uh, Frontino Luis is my favorite, but there are, there are a handful of others, others that we've been linked to as well. Uh, we've been linked to Grilich, I think we've been linked to Sangare who's less of an out and out six, but I think you could use him in that role anyway. Um, yeah, there, there, I, I, for me, I'm looking at a sort of a highly athletic, um, number six who, who's putting up large numbers of tackles and interceptions and, uh, and commanding and being a bit of a force in midfield, whereas Hoiberg is more of a sitting number six, sort of neat on the turn, bit of passing, um, Sort of like winks. Um, but maybe uh, a bit more appropriate for that role uh, I think we want we want the monster
0: it's it's hard to when you put it like that it's hard to argue <laughs> uh and it's worth spending a bit of money to get the right man I think is the other is the other point a- assuming we get that that six Bardi, the, the one that can do it all in defensive midfield how do you pair them what do you do do you play a midfield 3 with the new guy and Dombles Lacelso do you play a 2 with one of those two and if if so where do you put the other one what, How do you see it happening?
1: Well, I'd, then I'd play um, Celso and Ndombele either side of them, and then mm. use Winks and probably Sissoko skip as as alternate options. I think I, I I just think if somebody if there was someone there just to just to look after everything as Le Celso and, and just let Le Celso and Ndombele do what they do really well, then I, I I think there's there's proper potential there, and then our front three kind of looks after itself. Does it though? Because if I mean I, I agree, I, I like the
0: idea of a midfield three. A lot. And then you assume that Kane will play through the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you've got Son and Deli, who who would both want to primarily be on the left, or do you play a narrow three with Kane and Son up front and Deli behind? Where Bergvine come into (laughs) it?
1: (laughs) Um, did you Lucas could, come into it. You could play a free with more kind of wide player. Lucas, look at you. Lucas does not come into it. Lucas doesn't hope, come into doesn't. it. No. So Lucas can. Lucas would. I think Lucas is a, a an excellent substitute, an excellent impact player. But you could play um, Bergvain and Sun either side of Kane. You could play a little bit of a lopsided free with Delhi and Son. Um, you could put Delhi in bet- in behind Sun. You got. I think you've got quite a flexible free to play with. I don't think you need to be. Um, I think you need to be too rigid. With how they line up, I'm and playing what's... a 4-2-3-1 Sorry,
2: with Lo Celso on the right, Deli through the middle, and Sun on the left.
1: Yeah, I mean that is
0: that's an exciting possibility as well. Lo Celso gives you a lot of flexibility because he can play in multiple positions, which mm. is which is great. Um, yeah, I'm... I mean it's it's actually quite it makes you feel quite optimistic when you start talking about a full squad rather than this current injured mess of a squad we've got. <laughs> um, th- th- I th- the talent is there. Th- it is. It really is. It just
2: needs a couple of it just needs a decent right back, a decent number six. Some centre backs that aren't falling apart and and a
1: presence <laughs> at left back and and we're good to go. So you're saying we're great if we sign a centre back, a defensive midfielder, right back? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I just think lacelso I I was a little bit concerned about lacelso when we signed him because my experience of watching him was from Argentina when he was pushed out wide, and I had, and I was unsure about him. But now I've seen him play for Spurs a bit more centrally. I think I think he's better in the middle than he is pushed out wide. Um, my other concern is Deli in in the whole, He works well as a kind of shadow striker working off the front man, but I don't think he's... I don't know if if he's good enough to play the 10 role, to play like Ericsson in there. I'm I'm not sure if that would work for him, which is why I think Deli is is a bit more of a free spirit. And if we're we're going to rely on him, which Mourinho seems to like him a lot, then I think we're going to have to give him license to just kind of drift in and out of of moments and and movement. And I guess we can see
0: Deli as a midfield three option as well. Hmm. Um, so you, you know, he can play in either the middle band or the, the front band, which is nice to have that option. So I think I think we've done that justice. I think we've done that question justice. Hmm. So we'll move on. Um, and talking about coherent teams that can actually that actually have potential. Um, Nathan, tell us about the plans for Monday.
2: <laughs> okay, Monday night. and uh, we're gonna be watching together on Discord the 1961 FA Cup final between Spurs and Leicester. Uh, so you will want to create a Discord account, I think, which is something you can do pretty quickly I believe um, and I think that we can only have 100 people in the chat so we will Ooh. put the discord link up live at I guess like 7.30 and you will you will want to be, I mean assuming there's some interest you'll want to be within the first 100 people to to join the chat uh, you'll have to mute yourself I think although we might be able to sort of bring a few people in and then I guess we will have uh, the three of us commentating live on the 61 <laughs> final I haven't watched it, i watched sort of Five minutes of it to make sure that the the file I've got is all right, but I haven't seen. I'm. I mean, I know what happens. Like <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Um,
1: We're going in blind. Yeah, we can mute. Uh, we can mute. I've got some experience of dealing with Discord okay. and Firecocks so Right, bodies in
2: charge of, of the of the muting. So all God, your I love are to be directed.
1: I love a bit of
0: power.
2: <laughs> he's got. He's gone. He's gone crazy now. I've lost control of him. <laughs>
0: lovely stuff. I mean we've got loads of other questions but um we'll save them for the next podcast. Uh because we've all actually we've all got we've all got dates tonight I think. We've all got things to do. We've all got friends to, to see. So mm. uh it's, it's, it's quite nice, isn't it? This isolation. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm seeing my friends more now than I did before the pandemic. I'm literally busy same?
2: every night yeah. with some sort of social activity. It's like compensating for the, the lack of physical element by, by, yeah, by being on video call every night. I'm thinking of investing in a webcam at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I have so tonight, to go I'm, get... I'm
0: playing poker with friends tonight. I've nice. been enjoying every week uh, Texas um, or Texas Hold'em. Nice. Um on on poker stars you can set up uh, a friendly table for free for like free chips basically you there's not actual money involved and um that combined with using the audio of house party is is great
1: for a, a good night in with friends buddy, what are you up to i have to go get dressed up we're gonna have a little um little date nice yeah so' I'm gonna have to go what's your movie there. no no we're gonna i think we're gonna have um, we're gonna have an aperitivo on on the balcony we're gonna have a little negroni aperitivo to start the evening and then we're gonna have dinner and then i don't know fingers crossed lad.
0: You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barbie for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and the SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.com.ca and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and a review. That would really help.